You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I wanna invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. We're going to talk about school. We're going to talk about school today and kids learning. And we have a really beautiful expert here, Kelsey Komorowski. She is here. And let me tell you about her. Kelsey knows that every student can succeed in school so long as they're shown how. She has 16 years of experience working closely with students to develop skills, mindsets, and attributes that they need to thrive, not just in school, but as lifelong learners and thoughtful, confident humans. As a family coach, Kelsey helps empower parents with the skills and the knowledge to help their kids reach their potential, all while establishing positive household dynamics around school. Prior to founding Como, which we're going to talk about, I can't wait, Kelsey worked with policymakers, school district leaders, and teachers at the Ministry of Education. And when she's not working, she can be found hiking, hot yoga-ing, hanging out with Russo, her German shepherd, and her little love of her life, um, or planning and enjoying adventures around the world. Welcome, Kelsey. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much, Robin, for that wonderful introduction. Much appreciated. And I have to say, I noted when you first said, we're going to be talking about school with some of that weight. So I'm so thrilled to be on and hopefully we can have a a cheerier connotation around school because I know it is a huge source of pain for so many families. Um, So I'm, I'm really happy to be on here talking about this with you today. Yeah, and we have had uh, in my family a lot of pain around it and uh, like a lot of pain around it. Uh, Even just before I hit record here, um, before you and I met on Zoom, just to sort of say our hellos, um, we were having an issue with what was due and what was going on in school with my 16, almost 16 year old. So it is real for us. In, in our in our household. And so you specialize in kids that are really struggling in school, right? Tell, tell me about what you do. Totally. So uh, thanks, Robin. Yeah, we specialize, our, our tagline, we transform struggling students into thriving learners and confident thinkers with the skills to succeed, not just on the next test or essay, but in life. So our approach is very holistic. We use schoolwork as a vehicle for building out the core skills, mindsets, and attributes that students need to succeed. Yes, in the classroom, of course, we want them to get good grades. We want them to feel confident in their learning, but also in life after school is going to end, right? But we want them to be lifelong learners, ideally, regardless of what path or profession they pursue. We want them to truly connect with themselves as a learner and a thinker. So the short of the long on our end is my team and I, we spent a lot of years looking at why do kids struggle? Why is school harder, so much harder for some students than others? And we worked with a few thousand students across North America, different curriculum, different learner profiles. And what we came down to, and this is our niche, is skill building through schoolwork because we've seen that no matter what else is going on with a student's life, if they do not know how to manage and engage in their schoolwork, school is going to be harder than it has to be and they're not going to be able to learn and achieve to their potential. 
and vast majority, even what you've just, the brief that you've described, like your household sounds like the, the, the um, stereotypical household that we deal with, that we're talking with, where it's just like school is, it's not a source of pride or happiness. It's a source of pain and tension and often tears and fighting. Yeah. Well, and so I was just telling Kelsey what things are like in my house. And so I, you know, I've shared before that I have a son that has a lot going on and he has ADHD, he has learning disabilities. And so he has an IEP, um, but he also has other stuff, right? He has anxiety, he has obsessive compulsive disorder, and that's no joke. And you add all of those things together. His brain is so busy already and then he's got to learn. And then if I may, if I can just add to that, the fact that we have taken a, um, you know, a semester system, which is four classes and they rotate once a year, right? So you do four and then you do four and then that's it. We've taken that and we are doing quarters. So now we're doing two classes and then two and then two and then two holy cow, it is breakneck speed. There is no time to review. There's no time to like really like sink into the learning because before you know it, you're onto a new subject and they're sitting in class for hours, hours instead of being able to rotate through classes a lot faster. So we're really struggling and there's a lot of anger from my son. And you know what, Robin, rightly so. Like that's one of the big things. And with COVID, I feel like you actually just hit on so many different really critical issues with respect to screen time, with respect to a lot of schools transitioning to the digital, they didn't have the infrastructure in place. The pedagogy is skewed now, like there's a lot going on and anger for sure. We've seen, I think even the anger from what we've seen with a lot of our teens, it they're grieving. Like so many of our kids are grieving the loss of their normalcy. They're grieving the loss, depending where they're at in their, you know, academic career, they're grieving prom, they're grieving their first year of college, you know, they're grieving, the first uh, track field that they would have gotten to go, you know, varsity track. Like, so it's, and this is something that I always really stress with all of our parents, all of our families, the school piece, the learning piece, the grade piece, that's all important. But when it comes to starting to kind of anchor our thinking in, what are we going to do? Like COVID has really screwed things up for so many kids and families. Like that just piece of, of compassion for ourselves and for our kids is so critical because they've had the rug pulled out from under them. And so have you, right? Mm. And everybody's doing the best that they can. And at the end of the day, I mean, I imagine we're going to be studying this for years to come as far as the mental health impact, right? Like on our kids, like this is just, I hate to use the word unprecedented, Robin, but it is, you know, know, like it just really is. Um, So just as far as that kind of, you know, encouraging that self-compassion of like, this has been a nightmare for so many reasons in so many ways um, before moving into the, okay, so there's a lot that's out of our control, right? And that's a lot of students too, depending on their personalities, but they're grieving that where they're just like feeling like I have nothing that I can control. They're feeling powerless. Mm. So where we always like to start is, and as a parent coach, Robin, I, I imagine this is familiar. It's looking at, okay, what is in our control? We can't control our learning environment necessarily. We might have to be online. We can't control our teachers. We can't control you know, to a certain extent, the subjects that we take, there's so much out of our control. And we like to help our students understand those are externalities, right? We, there are things that we just cannot control. What can we control? And we flip it. We can control our beliefs. A lot of students aren't aware of that. A lot of teens are like, no, what do you mean? They, you know, I can control your thoughts. You can, we can control 
the meaning that we attach to certain things, right? Even to start that initial conversation of what can we control that can have such a calming effect relatively quickly because it is giving them back their power. Instead of feeling so disempowered and spiraling out with everything that's out of their control, we want to focus on where is your power? How can we tap into that? Oh, that's good. That's good. Kelsey, I love it so much. <laughs> so good. I am, I'm literally just picturing you having a conversation with my son right now too, because I think he would love you. And would, it would, what you're saying is, it would resonate with him. Robin, I love that. And, you know, down the line, we can make that happen. <laughs> that's, something, that's something that I do day in, day out. And it's one of the, my favorite parts of what I get to do for a living. Uh, that's so cool. And yeah, so you, you and I were talking about, you know, um, you know, what does it all mean? And, and with COVID and everything, like, what is your, what is your, what are your thoughts on these, this last full year now, like it's been a full year and the gap right between in-person schooling and online and then this sort of hybrid sometimes we're in school sometimes we're not half the day we're there half the day we're not whatever your situation is you know really what i want to know and what i think parents want to know is are are the kids going to be okay are there is there going to be a deficiency and a lack later on for them that's a big question robin and it's such an important one i think there's a couple pieces there i want to say first and foremost your kids are going to be okay. Your kids will be fine. They will be. People are resilient. Kids are resilient. You are all super parents doing everything in your power to make sure that your kid is okay. Mm. What I will add, and this is more on the thought piece here, mm. um, cause I have a lot too much for this podcast, but I think a couple of the, the interesting things, um, and what a lot of what we do is we look at data, right? We're collecting data on our methods and models, what's working, what's not. And that's really how we, we iterate and figure out, right. How we can actually have the best transformation, right. That's sustainable and meaningful. And when COVID hit, it was fascinating from our lens, because again, our specialty, we bridge, we're not traditional we're not teachers, we're not traditional tutors. We bridge the gap between classroom teaching and at-home learning. So mm. for years, we've been immersed in this space of, we know it's very normal. Like it's, a, it's the paradigm of students being taught to in a classroom. They think that's learning. They think that sitting in a classroom and being taught to equates to learning. And sometimes that's the case. Of course we want learning in our classroom, but most often it's not because teachers, and we work very closely with teachers. I adore teachers. They are amazing. I have teachers on my team. Teachers are responsible for delivering curriculum. Teachers, they're delivering curriculum that was designed to meet the average student. Teachers cannot cater to every single student's individual learning needs and preferences. That is up to the student mm. at home to tap into. So this is the material I was taught. How can I learn it best? How can I make sense of it? Mm -hmm. And so we've been in that space for a long time and that's what we love doing. That's what we do best where it's like, okay, you're at home. You have all this material, you have all this stuff. How can we manage it? So it's not overwhelming or stressful and how can you engage in it so that you actually care, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure for what you've shared about your son, he probably has things where he's like, I'm never going to use this. Why do I have to learn it? Like I hate it. Or I don't like this teacher. Like there's a lot of resentment often, right? About school. 
Yeah, and I feel it too, because I'm like, you're right. I don't know why. I'm <laughs> this example of mitosis and meiosis. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I know it now. And I'm like, you will never need to learn this. And I, I resent the fact that I have to sit here while you are learning it because you need my help, right? And I'm learning it. My husband and I are Googling stuff and we're like trying to you know, figure this why? out. Right. And, and obviously like we, we, that, that shouldn't have happened, you know, with, with, you know, my, my son, he should have gotten more help, but we were in a position. We just couldn't get him the help at that time. But um, yeah. So, okay. So let me just go back to, to the question and what you said. So you said, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And you, and, and so what do you say to the parent who has a child in kindergarten or grade one, when they they're, they should be learning their ABCs, they should be learning how to count, they should be learning how to start reading, should, I say should with air quotes, yeah. and they're not. What about that? What, what happens then? So Robin, that's a great question. And that's actually out of my wheelhouse. So early childhood development is, is one field. We work primarily, so grade six and above, and then predominantly with high school and university. However, and I haven't qualified with that, I'll extrapolate the logic. Um, yeah. And again, recognizing developmental implications, so I'm not speaking to that. But when we see our kids, you know, grade nine, grade 10, and depending on where you're at, and I know you've spoken about how your own son's semester has been broken out into quadmesters. Like we have students with one class right now. We have students with eight classes. It's very different, but by and large, the fact that a lot of the content knowledge is just slipping through, right? Whether it's not being delivered in a timely manner or whether the kids just aren't getting it because they mm-hmm. don't have that in-class facilitation. There's mm-hmm. a lot of gaps, okay? Kids yeah. graduating, kids in COVID, like there's going to be a lot of gaps. I think the important thing to remember is that the timeline that we have, this is all self-imposed, okay? And the entire mm-hmm. system has been affected by this. And I'd like to just, you know, to whatever extent this offers a degree of hope, but the, the education system is responding in turn. For example, even we saw a lot of schools in the States that require SATs, ACTs, a lot of them have pulled that, right? Recognizing like a lot of the prep hasn't happened. And that's just one example. But, you know, it's really important to remember, yes, this is happening to your child. And every single family is in its own world of different emotions. And that is valid and powerful. We want to remember perspective of you belong to a community of people. You belong to a community of educators who care. You belong to a community of eventual employers who have a lot of compassion for what's happening. So to really root as opposed to be, and again, even Robin, this goes back to like, we can't control the learning loss in a lot of ways. Like parents aren't educators or skills based. Even I've talked with a lot of teachers, moms, teachers who are like, I'm a teacher and I still can't help with the at-home learning. And again, from our particular niche where I'm like, cause you're not meant to be teaching them. You're not a teacher. You want to support their learning. It's a very different ball game, right? So we're all, we're all in the same boat and there's a lot out of our control, but again, we're all in this with how are we going to respond to the fact that there is this, there is going to be this learning loss. Yeah. And, and look, I think, I think with school, it's, it's a lot of fear because we know school is preparing them for the next step and the next step and the next step. And if they're not getting it now in grade two, how are they going to get it in grade five and then grade seven? And then they're in, in in our case, that's when you go to high school here is grade eight, right? Through to grade 12. Well, is this going to be a loss all the way through? And, and, you know, I'll say, 
um, having a child who's just that much older, right, than someone who has a child who's six or seven years old, that it is going to be okay. I know it is because there's help all along the way that this one homework assignment is not going to ruin your child. But we often go into the future. And I, I wrote it in my book, The Ellen Cure. I wrote about how this one homework assignment my son had, and he was probably in grade three. And I was so frustrated. I thought he was stalling. I thought he wasn't, you know, whatever. I thought he was playing dumb. Oh, I feel so bad. And I took it and I crumpled it up and I was like so angry and I threw it in the garbage. And then I, 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 I totally, I, uh, anyway. Uh, and then I, and then I was like, what have I done? And then I had to smooth it out. And then like, I hope that his teacher wouldn't know. So there was shame. There was embarrassment. I was, I was so, I was so, I, so much guilt because I did that to my kid. And I think both of us in truth have some, PTSD around, around homework. Like I hate homework. So, um, gosh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it, it is tough. And also I just want to acknowledge your courage in sharing that story because literally I think every single parent I talk to will share their own version of that being like, God, am I a bad mom? And it's like, Oh my goodness. You're no, you're in good company. Like we're all human. We're all doing the best we can. And honestly, Robin, and this doesn't necessarily speak to the homework battle, although it does come into play. We talk a lot about modeling and it's interesting because there's <laughs> modeling behavior. <laughs> we talk a lot about modeling. Oh, behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just switching gears. Yeah. Going off the deep end um, where, you know, a lot of just in school and in a lot of families in general, there's these power dynamics, right? Teacher tells a kid, parent tells a kid. And we, we always strive, and this is one of the very first things that we do with our families, where it's like, let's meet them as equals. And a big part of this is you mm. modeling. You don't know everything. That's okay. Oh, Stepping away from that, even a lot of parents feel like, but I'm the parent. I need to have my stuff to, I need to do this and do that. And it's like modeling out that you don't modeling out that you did something that you regret modeling out that you missed, you messed something up and like explicitly mm -hmm. talking about it, not to like teach them a lesson in that context, but making that a very embedded part of household mm -hmm. dialogue does mm -hmm. wonders for helping students open up themselves about their struggles. Yeah. I think it does wonders for everybody in so many different ways because to be human is to be flawed, right? To make mistakes makes us human. It's Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what, Robin, at the end of the day, you cannot, and this is where, and especially going back to a lot of the, and Robin, actually, I think from what you've shared, like you, you are in the situation, a lot of our families are in pain. Homework sucks, there are school fights, and there's a lot of obviously effort and intent and energy being put towards how can I get out of this, which mm -hmm. is the goal. However, and we do this work with both our students and our parents separately, sometimes in mediations together, but definitely separately, where it's like you cannot evolve into your better self until you make peace with who you are right now. Like mm -hmm. that meaningful, sustainable, authentic shift into that happier, healthier self that is there. It's there for the taking. You can't beat yourself to get there. It's not going to work. Oh, you know, that's such a great message. And so that's what you tell the kids, like, like, let's just accept, okay, look, you do have ADHD or you do have learning disabilities. It is Absolutely. who you are. And that doesn't, that is not a measure of your worth as a human, right? It's no, different. not at all. And Robin, honestly, the thing that, and this is why I'm in this field, honestly, because I, I don't know of anything else that is so powerful and transformative and hopeful 
everything that we're seeing that kids feel deficient about, that they feel dumb about, they feel there's something wrong with them. Again, all valid, but this is the beauty of skill building. Every Mm -hmm. learner, every student can build out skills or attributes or mindsets that make them feel great. Obviously, depending on learner profile and age and maturity, there's factors that will affect the complexity or the pace. But overall, an ADHD is a great example because a lot of our students, and I'm not, I'm laughing because it's so common that when we work with them and they'll be like, well, I have ADHD, I can't focus. I'm like, okay. And they're like, I can't, I can't focus. So I can't do work. And we're like, okay. And, and, and then we initiate those conversations around do we know focus? And this ties in with growth mindset and skill building, but like, do we know that focus? Do you feel like this is how it's going to be for the rest of your life? And we kind of just start to have these conversations to get to the point of focus is a skill. Focus Mm -hmm. is something I can build my brain, right? Like most of our kids haven't heard of neuroplasticity, but it's like, you can change your brain. It takes practice and it takes consistent practice, but we can change that. And even Mm -hmm. just attaching like those conversations, when you start to open up that possibility and help kids and parents, honestly, understand like it can be different is something huge. Because a lot of our kids, and I don't know if, if, you're, if you or someone would fall into this, but a lot of our families, they've struggled for so long that they don't really have a frame of reference for what's possible. Oh, that's us. hundred percent. hundred percent. But I, and I think that goes back to what you were saying is like, you can change your thoughts, you can change your mindset, you can change your yeah. perspectives on, you know, on that. And that's, that is really powerful. And in a way, I actually see some of the struggles that my son has as a gift because there are these kids that do skate through and they, they manage to just do just fine. But my son gets to develop these skills to thrive now when he's young. So in a way, I kind of feel positive about it too, as much as I already told you, I feel a little negative about it, right? Just because we're hurt. That's it. We're just hurt by it. Robin, that just gave me chills, honestly, because you are, you could not be more right. And I will tell you actually, and this is something at the outset, a lot of their parents are like, roll their eyes at me, but I'm like, no, if your kids are getting high grades and they're not really working, that is one of the biggest red flags that exists. And Robin, I can't tell you how many kids I've seen that I've worked with personally, that my team has worked with over the years where they come to me first year college, their kids are failing out. I don't understand. They had straight A's. What, what was their system like for managing and engaging in school? S- what system asking the kid, Hey, what's executive functioning? What's metacognition? How do you practice time management? How does our calendar work? How do we scope our assignments? And they're like, they got by because they could get by, not because they have the skills or mindsets or attributes to yeah. chat, to navigate that more challenging material. So you're absolutely right. He is building muscle right now. And it's hard. And I'm sure he is sore emotionally, psychologically a lot of the time, but he's yeah. building that muscle and that ROI down the line will be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you responded that way because that is how we feel. And, uh, and yeah, as, as hard as it is, you know, you have to find, you know, I guess the silver lining too, right? You have to look for that too, because it, it can't all be for naught. No. And Robin, even that, what you've just shared so beautifully articulated is such a great example of deciding what are we going to believe? Cause at the end of the day, what we believe comes true. And I don't say that in like a woo airy fairy yeah. type way. It's it's, we see it. It's a, it's actually a very critical part of skill building where it's like, if you don't believe you're capable of building skills, you won't. It's that saying you, if you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. Right. So even just that initial piece is so critical. 
Yeah. Well, and, and it's so funny. My dad used to say it all the time. Uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Smart man, your dad. Yeah. I think it was Henry Ford that said that, right? I think that's yeah, so exactly. Um, and, and see my son, he does, he, he has said it and, and look, this isn't about me, but I think I'm, I'm a good example for, for what we're talking about. So I don't want anyone to think that this is about me, but you know, he does say like, mom, I'm really dumb. And I'm really stupid. And I've showed him, I, I, you know, because he had a psychic assessment done. And I said, no, look, this is not about smarts. It's just that the messages go into your brain in a slightly different way. And in fact, we should really look at everybody's brain as like their own fingerprint, not that we all have the same brains, right? We all learn differently, take in information differently. So whoever is typical, that's not a thing, right? Absolutely. And I feel like that's a perfect example for something where we can tell our kids, we can tell them things until we're blue in the face. You can, Robin, I can, teachers yeah. can, until they feel internally that they're not dumb. Yeah. It's not going to land. It helps. Don't get me wrong. And obviously we want to give these, give feedback and support and like unrelenting certainty. Not, I was going to say optimism. It's not optimism. It's conviction in their abilities, mm. right? It's like, they're there and we're going to hold your hand and cheer you on until you actually feel it. And this goes back to, if I'm going to, I wish I could draw a little diagram here, but it truly is when kids don't have essentially kids who struggle, they have months or years worth of undermining beliefs, negative beliefs, negative self-talk, these talk tracks, you're done. You can't do it. Why bother? You're never going to be able to all of these like absolutely self-defeating and very limiting beliefs. They're not going to magically adopt different beliefs. Right. And this is something we hear a lot where it's like, well, I can't do this. or I can't do that. And it's like, you're absolutely right until you start doing it bite size, right? You get the smallest possible thing that they could do as evidence of, but what does that say about us? Mm. Right. Something positive. Oh, I guess, was that resourceful? Was that, you know, did you just critically evaluate something can be so tiny, but slowly, but surely building out this body of evidence, which in turn supports more empowering beliefs of I am capable. I can do this. And it doesn't happen overnight. But Robin, you can do this with your son, every family, every person, really, as adults, we do this every day, right? Creating and recreating how we see ourselves, right? How capable we are, et cetera. That's really good. I just love everything that you've said. You're so positive and so, um, so supportive. And, you know, I was telling you in a little bit more detail before we hit record about what goes on in my home and you gave me so much compassion. So I want people to hear that because look, if you're struggling, you want to seek out somebody like Kelsey and do you support now you are Canadian, which of course I love, (laughs) Um, are you, no, where do your services, where do they apply? North America? Yeah. Um, so we're all over North America. And Robin, thank you so much for that. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our exchange pre record. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> families can go to comoconsulting.com. It's K O M O consulting.com. And we have audits open every week, a handful of audits. My team and I do them. Um, it's a conversation with parents and students. And it's really, honestly, Robin, a bit kind of like what we just did, a little more regimented. Um, yeah. It's a really heartfelt exploration of, you know, where is your child at right now and where do they want to be for themselves and how how can we help get them there? Yeah. Well, and and when, when I started explaining to you, I started to cry because like it's just that 
heavy. It's that heavy, right? And actually, as we're recording, I can hear my husband out in the other room talking to my son, a son about the work that he still has to do. So it is happening in real time. So, um, okay, now you have something super awesome for everybody in the toolbox, which um, I'll, I'll let you say it because I don't think I, I, uh, I wrote down exactly what it's called, but it is a, it's a masterclass. And t- tell us what it's called, please. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled. So it's a masterclass. It's five steps for transforming your struggling teen into a thriving A learner. And I told Robin the A, I was very hesitant of whether or not to include that because grades are secondary. They really are. Um, But we also know that students who develop the skills and mindsets that they can learn and achieve to their potential. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelsey. I just want to let you know that there's an open invitation for you to come on my podcast anytime. There's more that I want to talk to you about. And this was so short and sweet, but let's talk again, because this is so important for everybody. And like I said, it's, it's, we're just scared. We don't know what we don't know. And so whatever you can help us understand, it's just critical. So thank you. Robin, thank you. I am already excited for round two. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.